So, how was your week? It's been a long time. Hey, yo, it's my life, my time, my rights, my rhymes, my crime, my struggle, hustle, sweat, and my blood, too. Good evening, Bonnie Da. Good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are around the world. You know, some people on their Saturday nights they like to go out, have a good time, maybe do some drugs, maybe have a bit of bit, bit of alcohol. But me, I like to sit in my room and talk about a pay-per-view from 19 years ago. Hello, you've tuned in once again for some reason to the Ruthless Journey. I am the one-man gang of the ruthless journey uh, Ryan and today we'll be talking about our first pay-per-view in the history of this podcast No Mercy 2002 so No Mercy 2002 obviously is a I don't want to say it's historical but it is a pay-per-view that took place yeah we, we've been building up to this in the last two episodes uh, Raw and Smackdown we've got our, our main event feuds both involving the Brothers of Destruction having Lady Troubles so that's something to uh, get into later on. So, I had this idea, because I want to find out which show was putting on the better matches on pay-per-view. So what I have planned is the matches that will be taking place tonight, so we'll have some matches from Raw, obviously, and some matches from SmackDown. I am going to rate these matches out of five stars. And the brand, with the better average score out of those five stars, will earn themselves one point. So obviously, it's a, it's a co-branded pay-per-view, this one. I'm aware that in future pay-per-views going into 2003 onwards, the co-branded pay-per-views will stop, apart from the big four, and there'll be separate pay-per-views for Raw and SmackDown, but we'll do the same thing for them. We'll, we'll tally up a score, just see what the average was. And then at the end of the uh, of the journey, when we get there eventually, when I'm about 48, we will see who was putting on the better matches on pay-per-view. So, it took place on the 20th of October 2002 in Little Rock, Arkansas. Fun fact about Arkansas, the point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers during their three-peat, Derek Fisher, was from Arkansas. And that's all I know or want to say about Arkansas. It took place in the Alltail Arena with te- roughly 10,000 fans in attendance and received a buy rate of 300,000 buys. We kick off the show being greeted by JR and King and they hype up the Hell in a Cell. So this would be the, the second Hell in a Cell match I would have seen. So the first one was Triple H versus Chris Jericho at Backlash? Backlash, I think it was Backlash. So yeah, 
We've got Lesnar and Taker, main event, Hell in a Cell, undisputed WWE Championship on the line. I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, we've got some other matches as well that I'm looking forward to, especially Edge and Mysterio in the finals of the tag team tournament against Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. I have heard that this is a great match, so I'm very much looking forward to that. And also, obviously, of course, the real reason that people tuned in to watch this pay-per-view, otherwise the 300,000 buys would have been a lot lower, Tory Wilson versus Dawn Marie. So again, we got that to look forward to as well. Let the truth be told. Kane is a murderer. Kane, you are a murderer. a murderer. Denial fuels the anger. I am not. Kane is an accident. Why don't you tell the world Kane. the whole Kane. truth? You are a murderer. Guilt poisons the soul. It's something that I have to live with. It was with. an accident. It's something that I've thought Kane about every day you since. Are over. One show, one champion. The Intercontinental Champion facing the World Heavyweight Champion. Winner, take all. Who will show no mercy? Kane might be able to take the life of a sweet girl like Katie Vick. You think I want to get in the ring with a murderer? Be able to take my title. by ghosts from your past? Do you fear your unborn child may never see a healthy daddy? After this man unleashes his fury on you tonight. Yes, you were the phenom during a decade of destruction. And this is your signature match. One which you have ruled with domination and brutality. But you've never walked through hell with a man as sadistic as Brock. A ruthless animal that has destroyed the greatest icon the world has ever seen. This is the new phenom that is going to annihilate, lay waste to your legend, destroy all that you hold so dear. And now, WWE No Mercy. So, the opening match tonight is Christian and Chris Jericho taking on Booker T and Goldust for the Raw, or I suppose a, at the minute they're the only, World Tag Team Championships. We get some nice silver and gold tights on Chris Jericho looking very, very sexy, but not a nice long goatee, that's uh, disgusting. We get a recap from two weeks ago with Jericho attacking Booker T after a steel cage match against The Big Show at Raw Roulette. Yes, that was a match that did indeed 
happen. And then last Monday where Booker T attacked Chris Jericho on the entranceway. Didn't show the bit in the shower with Trish being naked, but what can you do? Christian with his opera theme. We're going to kick it off a bit of theme controversy. You know, we like a bit of theme controversy. You know, I've got some hot, hot takes on themes. This this theme, I can, I can take it or leave it. It's all right, you know. Christian! You know, all that good stuff. I... I do probably prefer the TNA theme, uh, the one he's using at the minute in AEW. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's gonna piss a couple of people off. But and also he'll have his theme. We have two more themes in the in this run. We'll we'll cross the bridge when we get there. Also another thing about his opera theme, saying at last you're on your own, even though he's in a tag team with Chris Jericho now. You know, bit weird. He's got the long hair going on here. I I personally think he looks better with short hair. Yeah, just. Look, just looks a bit like Jericho, really, wearing a singlet. So we get a decent sized pop for Gold Dust coming out. King is wearing a blazer with no shirt on underneath. Uh, I think he usually does it. He wears his gear at all times, just just in case he'll go out and wrestle Dolph Ziggler or something. We get a huge pop for Booker T. You know, he's again, it's, it's he's one of the he's one of the guys. He's, he's one of the most popular guys on the show, and he gets a huge reaction when he comes out here in Arkansas. I love Booker's face when his hands are up and his pyro goes off like he can't believe the pyro's gone off. He does it every time and it's great. So tag titles on the line to kick us off. Christian and Jericho are hesitant to get in the ring. Goldust starts it off. Jericho asks for Booker's ass. Goldust tags in Booker's ass. And then Jericho tags in Christian's ass. We get a big early clothesline from Booker. He goes for Jericho but he jumps off the apron giving Christian the opportunity to go for Booker. A big kick to the face by Booker. Get a two count. Big clothesline from Goldust after he's tagged in. We get Chris Jericho tagging in. Uh, running ass attack by Goldust. Christian then gets one. JR and King calling it gold butt. Don't think that's going to catch on, lads. Jericho is vaulted over the ropes into Christian. Booker throws Jericho into the ring. Ten count punches interrupted by Christian. Jericho with a top rope drop kick. We get a two count. JR and King put over the cell saying it weighs nine turns. And King hopes it squashes Cole and Taz. It's not very nice. We get a Booker T chant. So over that geezer. Another big clothesline by Goldust. We get a near hot tag to Booker, but Christian breaks it up. We get Christian standing on Goldust's face. We get a great power slam by Goldust. Tag to Jericho, but so close to the hot tag, but broken up. Neck breaker to Jericho. Gives Goldust the opportunity to get the hot tag. We get a big pop for Booker coming in. Big jumping kick to Jericho's moosh. Christian then comes in and eats a super kick. Scissors kick missed. Big spine buster by Booker for a two count. Jericho then runs at Booker in the corner. Booker leaps over into a roll up for a two count. Booker then goes for a kick. Christian pulls Jericho out of the way and Booker gets caught on the apron. Get a blind tag to Goldust as Booker is shot off the ropes. Double Bulldogs. It's decent action starting off here, I must say. It's decent. We get a Shattered Dreams, which, which is illegal, uh, but the ref wasn't looking to Christian. Jericho trips into Christian's nuts. We get a roll up for a two count. Walls of Jericho gets locked in, broken up by a kick from Booker. Get the scissors kick. We get the cover by Goldust, but he's pulled out the ring by Christian. Baseball slide by Booker. A diving drop kick by Booker to Jericho. The Springer Rooney, which gets a huge reaction. Christian attempts a belt shot, gets launched over the ropes. Jericho then attempts a springboard drop kick, but the second rope, it breaks. And they have to kind of scramble for the other spot. I mean, luckily he was going for a drop kick and not a moonsault. We didn't get a, a higher booster instant there. If you've seen the higher booster instant, you know he's gone off for a, a springboard moonsault and the second ring breaks and he just the geezer lands on his fucking head. It's absolutely awful. He's, he's paralyzed and then he's passed away now. But yeah, luck, luckily Jericho was going for a for a move that was 
onto his side kind of deal. His head wasn't aiming towards the ground when he was in that motion when the rope broke, luckily. So we get a scramble into a spot where Goldust bulldogs Jericho. The ref's just looking at the ropes while Goldust is covering Jericho. Christian puts Jericho's foot on the rope. Christian and Booker brawl into the crowd, bulldog by Jericho onto the belt. We get a big sexy moonsault by Jericho, presumably in the place of the lion sort, obviously. You can't do that if the second rope was broken, so he's improvised, gone for the, the big moonsault, but woo, I didn't know he had that in his locker, and it was absolutely splendid. And he gets the free count, and Jericho and Christian retain the belts. I give that match two and a half stars out of five. I thought it was a good opener. Uh, nothing really special, you know, apart from the... The ropes breaking, but obviously that wasn't. I don't think that was planned. So, um, but yeah, decent action. I've been expecting Booker and Goldust to take the tag tag titles for for months now. They were feuding with the Un-Americans. They didn't get it then. Now they're feuding with Christian and Jericho, and they've still not got the belts. You know, I'm hoping they get it soon because they deserve it. They they bloody deserve it. We get a replay of the ropes breaking and the big sexy moonsault. You know, Jer- Jericho's moonsault was, was very impressive, and obviously I can see why he didn't use that as his. Is a signature move because he has the lion salt. But as an improvisation spot, it was it was very, very good. Very, very good. Funaki is backstage with Al Wilson. Uh, no pop for Al Wilson. As fucking expected, it's Al fucking Wilson. We get a recap from three weeks ago of Dawn showing Al her tits. Funaki then asks how the peak of Dawn's tits made him feel. Al goes, All right. Funaki then asks about another peak from two weeks ago, and then he asks how that made Al feel, and Al again goes, Alright. They then show the clip of Dawn giving Al her hotel room key. Funaki then asks for comments again, and Al goes, What What is going on? They then show the clip of Alan Dawn in the shower from the last episode. Funaki then asks the big question. Why was he wearing clothes in the shower? Which is the fucking same question I asked last time. Me and Funaki. Boys. Why is no one asking these questions? I could have been number one announcer. Al then says. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. No, no, no. He actually did say that. Here's the clip. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And then he walks away. Funaki then says, Al does not understand English. Mate, what? What was that? That was so pointless. Just for a line about Bill Clinton's sexual relations from fucking... Would have been, what, four years ago at this time? Five years ago? I mean, nothing against Funaki, you know. I love I love Funaki. That's that's my guy. But Al Wilson is so boring. You, you, could, have, you could have just not had this segment and it would have been fine. You could have had Funaki interview... Maybe Noble and Idy again or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Anyone? Hurricane? Like, come on. What are we doing here? Oh, and then the next match, yeah. Dawn Marie versus Tori. Dawn's gear looks like Freddy Krueger tried to look at her tits. Dawn then comes out. Tori then comes out, slides into the ring, and Dawn slides out. We get a baseball slide drop kick to Dawn. Throws her into the ring. We get clotheslines by Tori. JBLs, these are not. We get a boot by Dawn, followed by a We Want Puppies chant. All right, lads, just just watch the match, please. Come on. Let's, I mean, we know it would it would probably liven things up, but let's just try and let's just try and pay attention, please. We get a sunset flip by Tori for a two count. Dawn athletically leaps over the ropes into a shoulder block to Tori, which was actually quite an impressive move. 
Didn't know she had that in her locker. Throws her head into the ropes and drops down to the outside by Tori. Hits her with another baseball drop kick. We get a shot to the gut by Dawn and spears her into the apron. We get hype up for Rebellion 2002, which we here at the Ruthless Journey podcast won't be watching because the AE podcast have already done it. And we don't like to step on people's toes here at the Ruthless Journey podcast. Although it did take place in my back garden of England, I just don't think it'd be relevant to the to what's going on really. So we're gonna skip it. And again, we ain't we ain't no copycats because no one's ever done a ruthless aggression podcast. So let's try and be a bit more original, yeah. Get a camel clutch type move to Tori from Dawn. Yeah. And then stands on her lower back. Get a big body slam by Dawn. It slammed him! Hogan and Andre, this was not. A headbutt to the lady era of Tori for a two count. Taz says that might not hurt Tori because she's got nothing over there. Over where, Taz? We get a takedown by Tori. Cat fight! Cat fight! Uh, the ref gets caught and he gets sucked in. And then he breaks up and then celebrates that he was involved. So, yeah, like once again, the women's revolution is alive and well in 2002. Dawn then chastises the referee and calls him disgusting. And we get a clothesline by Dawn. A stiff kick to the face by Tori. We get a suplex by Tori for a two count. A hair toss by Tori. Another takedown slingshot into the post. Into a roll up. Two count. Dawn runs at Tori like she's underwater. With dumbbells attached to her feet. We get a neck breaker by Tori. And a fucking finally. Thankfully. We get a fucking free count. Do you know what? As much as it wasn't very good. It was competent. So I've I've written I've written down here one and a half stars. And that that sounds fairly high for a for a Dawn Marie Tory was on a one and a half stars is not high at all in a five star system, but for Torn and Dory on a pay-per-view, I'm gonna stick by the one and a half stars because it was competent. I mean there was a suplex in there. A nice little spot with the ref celebrating the uh the cat being involved in the cat fight. So yeah, one and a half stars. You know, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but it it wasn't good but yeah at least fucking Al Wilson wasn't wasn't involved because that would have fucking I hate that man I hate that man we get Rob Van Dam backstage with coach coach asks for RVD's thoughts on what Flair did to him at Unforgiven costing him the world title against Triple H RVD says that he doesn't style and profile and doesn't jet fly etc he says he's a chair smashing frog splashing risk taking Yinging and yanging, Van Daminating dudes named RVD. Um, whilst he's saying that he's wooing, and his woos are absolutely awful. They, they're very hoarse. Like woo, so he's like chair smashing, woo, and he's strutting during this as well. I mean, he's probably got one of the worst woos I've ever heard. Now, if we're talking best woos, obviously Ric Flair, but we. In terms of people who are not Ric Flair, Kurt Angle, he bangs out a woo every now and again. is pretty good. Jay Lethal's probably got the best woo because you know he he was impersonating Ric Flair in a, in that great promo in TNA. You know, so I think Jay Lethal and Kurt Angle have have pretty good woos. And RVD does not have a good woo, but at least he is flexible, and that counteracts that. The RVD interview is over, and Coach catches Brock, Paul, and Tracy. She's, she's made it to pay-per-view. Coach asks for thoughts on Hell in a Cell later. Uh, Heyman and Brock just air him and walk off. Coach asks Tracy about her accusations. She says there aren't accusations and The Undertaker cheating is the truth. She calls Taker a liar. Says she can't wait for that scumbag to get what he deserves. JR calls her a Jezebel. 
and King calls her hot. I mean, she's all right. So. Flair comes out with his uh, dubbed over theme music, which only happens on pay per view. On the on the regular shows, he's got his normal, you know, the the typical Ric Flair theme. But on this one, he has a um, like a dubbed over theme. I don't know if it's a pay per view thing, but yeah, it, it it's a knockoff version of uh, Ric Flair's normal theme. It's Space Odyssey 2001. So I don't know if they have the rights for pay per view. So. We get a recap of Flair costing Rob Van Dam the title Unforgiven. We then get a recap of Flair hitting RVD with a belt in the Lumberjack match. Get a decent little pop for RVD. He looks all business and goes straight for Flair. Brawl on the outside. Get a Savat kick off the apron. Knocks Flair into the crowd. We get a spinning kick off the apron into Flair who's hung over the barricade. Throws Flair into the ring. Savat kick off the top rope. And then the bell rings and we're underway. We get a cartwheel and then a moonsault by RVD for a two count. It's obviously not going to be Flair doing that, is it? Flair gets thrown into the corner and does the flip over the turnbuckle spot he does, similar to what Shawn Michaels does. Irish whip into a double spin kick. Mounted punches by RVD. We get a springboard Savat kick for a two count. Flair's begging him off, being the uh, the typical heel that he is. You know, the, the taunt in the games. Doing all that business. Kicks RVD in the dick while the ref isn't looking. We get an air blow to the back of the leg. Obviously teeing up for that figure four. RVD rolls out the ring. We get an RVD chant. Corner attack by Flair. He chokes RVD. And he starts working the leg again, you know, the psychological genius. The dirtiest player in the game today! Woo! You know, that's that's just what he does. We get ch- corner chops by RVD firing back. Get a thumb to the eye by Flair. The dirtiest player in the game! Flair attacks the leg again. Further corner attacks. King asks JR if he thinks pregnant women are attractive. Out of fucking nowhere. And JR angrily says, of course they are. So... Confirms JR likes pregnant women. I don't know if he uh, likes very pregnant women, which is what Undertaker's wife Sarah is, as we found out from Taz on SmackDown. Back suplex by Flair. The figure four gets locked in. RVD reverses the pressure, which... That never makes any any sense, does it? If you just turn to your front, it somehow counteracts the pressure of the figure four. But I don't know. Flair grabs the ropes. Flair goes for the legs again. We get a sunset flip by RVD for a two count. We get a backslide by RVD for a two count. RVD goes for the drop kick off the Irish whip, but Flair hangs onto the ropes. Flair struts about a bit, flexing, you know, how clever he is. Goes for the figure four, but he gets rolled up for a two count. Flair goes up top, which he doesn't usually do. It's a pay-per-view, you've got to fucking show out and shit, you know, I can understand that. Gets caught by RVD and thrown to the floor. Get a rolling thunder. Flair gets his foot on the ropes. We get a huge, huge five-star frog splash. Not as much vert as Montez Ford, but it was it was around that region. Free count. I give that three stars. That match. It was it was very good action. You know the juxtaposition between the high flying style of RVD and the you know the the ground base kind of psychology of Flair. And um, I like that. Obviously, he's trying to he's, he's trying to do what RVD does and go up top and try and get the big win, and it doesn't work out for him. And uh, RVD takes advantage and he gets the free count. So I will give it three stars. It was. It was better than okay. Again, it wasn't a it wasn't a classic, but it was good. It was some good action, and uh, yeah, I I did enjoy that match. We cut backstage to SmackDown GM Stephanie McMahon with Raw's Big Money. I mean G Show. I mean Paul White. I mean Knucklehead. I mean the Big Show. They are discussing something vague, very vague. When Bishop walks up on them, Steph and Eric are wearing the exact same leather jacket and T-shirt, which I thought was quite funny. Bishop calls Big Show his property. And demands to know what's going on and what they're talking about. Steph then is like, you know, I'm just going to back out. So she walks off. Big Show says he hasn't been on pay-per-view since July. Mate, you're on pay-per-view right now. What are you talking about, you fucking idiot? He lists off all his accolades, you know, former OVW appearing in a fairground. I think that was that was missed off on the accolades, but that's just 
one of my personal ones, says he's standing around with his thumb up his ass because of Bischoff. Mate, he's not forcing the thumb up your ass. You can remove the thumb if that is the case. You are quite you are quite taller than him and shit. You could just remove the thumb. Bischoff says he can't talk to Stephanie. Asks him who he thinks he is. Big Show then grabs Bischoff and says he's a big angry giant. And he says he's going to snap Eric's neck like a twig if he doesn't put him in a main event. That'll get you in the main event. You know, you know, you know all your jobs when you, you you're upset, you're not being appreciated, and you're not being utilized to the best of your abilities. Just go into your boss's office, threaten to snap his neck like a twig, and he'll put you in the main event of the office, whatever that may entail. You know, maybe it's a promotion, maybe a team leader role. Um, but yeah, give it a try, see what happens, and don't say it came from me. We get an extended recap of the Intercontinental Title Package, same as the one from Raw. When Patterson got attacked by Freeman and Warner. Again, they're saying this is the the last ever Intercontinental Championship match, which is not true because we've had many since. So it's very still very strange that they were trying to retire the Intercontinental Championship. And there's funny enough, there's no mid-card title on SmackDown. You know, they were obviously just introducing the tag team titles. But yeah, no United States Championship yet. Obviously, there's just the WWE Championship and the Cruiserweight Championship in terms of singles titles. So, I mean, and not everyone can compete for the Cruiserweight Championship. So, yeah, it's just, it's very, it's weird that they were trying to just push, pull away from mid-card titles when you look at 2001 when the Invasion's gone and you have the the US title, you have the two world titles, you have the Intercontinental title, you've got the Hardcore title, the light heavyweight title, the cruiserweight title, there was a European title as well, just all these titles, and I think maybe it's a case of, and they were all on the same show as well, all those titles were Raw and SmackDown, they were they were still, it was, it was pre-brand split, and they've got all these titles knocking about, and now they're just trying to move away and just get less and less titles now from what it seems. I mean, it's, it's, it's different from what we have now as well, with two tag titles and Raw and SmackDown, but, but yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's very... Very odd they were trying to move away from mid-card titles. Maybe they just didn't think they needed them anymore. But you know, obviously they you need those mid-card titles to give people pushes, which is why they probably did change their mind. They introduced the US title and they keep the Intercontinental title around. But, I mean, this is the last we'll see of the Intercontinental title. I don't know for how long, but, you know, hopefully it comes back soon. Otherwise, ugh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll find out what happens to the Intercontinental title in a bit. We now get an unannounced Cruiserweight Championship match between Tajiri and Jamie Noble, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, you know, two two very good workers, Tajiri comes out, unfortunately, to a, a quite a muted reaction, you know, they've, they've really fucked it with Tajiri, they made him, they made him heal, when he was really over in 2001, and obviously he was dating Tori Wilson, and they made Tori Wilson kind of like this, his, his kind of servant, she was just wearing a geisha outfit, and trying to appropriate Japanese cultures, and it, it all kicked off when Tajiri was jealous of Maven chatting up Tori, and then he beat up Maven in the hospital. We've not seen Maven since. Tajiri went full blown heel, and then Tori then just turned on him, and Billy Kidman was involved as well. Yeah, it was all a bit messy. But yeah, Tajiri was then just a, a heel, kind of a line with Jamie Noble. Then there was the match on, on SmackDown between Nidia and Noble, where Tajiri was refing, and then Jamie turns on Tajiri in the match. And it's, it's not a face turn Tajiri had on that show. So that's why he gets a muted reaction. We don't really know what he is at the minute. But yeah, now he's facing Noble for the, the Cruiserweight Championship. Without any real announcement beforehand. Just, yeah. Because this, this is a storyline that's been going on. You know, Nidia and Noble and the Tajiri situation. It's gone on for a few months since, since Noble won the title from the Hurricane. So. But yeah, just kind of thrown it out there. So trying to cleanse the palate. 
on the SmackDown side from uh, Wilson and Duan. We get the recap from uh, SmackDown where Nidia and Noble turn on Tajiri. We get another match starting with a baseball slide. I think that's the third one tonight. <sighs> and I love a baseball slide. I think the Arkansas crowd. They they know that Arkansas crowd and they know they love baseball slides. Do Arkansas have a baseball team? Nah. No, I don't think I don't think they do. Little Rock Fire Mills. Yeah. Nah, I don't think I don't think so. Maybe college. No, I think they have got a college team, but I don't know. English. Uh, Tajiri follows the baseball slide up with a springboard moonsault to the outside, which looks very nice. We get a two can out of that. Get knees to the back by Noble. Stomps in the corner. Noble says, Come on, boy! Come on, boy! Giving it all that business. We then get a big kick to the back by Tajiri. You know, you don't want to fucking exchange kicks with Tajiri. That geezer slaps his trousers. We we get we get a move where there's a sunset flip attempt by Noble, and Tajiri then walks himself to the ropes with Noble attached to his legs. And he rolls out of the ring, breaking the contact. It's a really nice counter. I've not seen that before. Tajiri's just so innovative, man. He's just, he just knows all these different kind of maneuvers and how to t- contour his body and stuff like that. And it's very impressive. We get a kick to the face by Tajiri for a two count. We get an electric chair by Noble for a two count. And a tilt well backbreaker by Noble for another two count. Shot of Nidia and, and Taz immediately goes, Look at that tomato. Why would you refer to a woman as a tomato? I don't get that. I mean, I get like bird. Birds are birds. One we use here, but tom- tomato because because birds are you know delicate, pretty things. Tomato. I don't know why I'm saying tomatoes. Tomatoes. Fuck you, Taz. Tomatoes are not delicate and shit and pretty in that. They're like you eat them. You don't eat birds, mate. You eat tomatoes. Get a crucifix attempt by Tajiri, but Noble slams him to the mat off his back like a Celtic cross. That gets a two count as well. You get a reversal by Tajiri, but still attached in the crucifix for a two count. We get an inaudible sound from, from Noble. Uh, even the captions couldn't even clock what he said. Ah, this is competition. We get a sunset flip counter by Noble, followed by an elbow to the back. Noble works the back. Also, Noble wore jorts before John Cena on SmackDown. Just keep that in mind. Cena nicked Jamie Noble's look. Another elbow to the back by Noble. Cole then calls the match between Nidia and Noble on SmackDown. Four play. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Call it that if you want. We get a moonsault attempt by Tajiri. He lands on his feet. Get a nice springboard DDT by Tajiri. Very, very... This is very... Quite a modern looking match. Just the moves that they're pulling out and the kind of stuff that they're doing. It's very, very forward. Kind of of shit you see in the Cruiserweight Classic and stuff like that. Kind of like that. Quick strikes by Tajiri. Tajiri gets fired up. He's very fired up. We get a backspring elbow by Tajiri. Big kick to the face for a two count. We get an interest, another interesting move where Noble is on Tajiri's back in a crucifix position and Tajiri is spinning round with him on his back, kind of a little similar to the UFO, but kind of like lower, like a lower position. But yeah, another innovative spot that I've not seen since I've, I have was watching. That gets followed by a German suplex for a two count. We get the tarantula by Tajiri, which we are advised is illegal and has to be broken at the count of five. The buzzsaw kick gets ducked. A tiger bomb attempt counted into a slingshot. Then we get the buzzsaw kick. And Nidia snogs the ref to distract him. Tajiri grabs the ref and then runs into the tiger bomb by Jamie Noble. I'm thinking, that's it. Game over. Noble wins. You know, that's his uh, that's his finish. Gets a two count. Kicks out of the finish. I, I couldn't believe it. Obviously, they must rate Tajiri if he's kicking out of the finish. Because, that you know, the distraction from Nidia snogging the ref. Tajiri gets distracted. Tiger bomb. Bang. Game over. But no, here we are, we're still going on, unbelievable, I couldn't believe it, the Noble couldn't believe it as well. Get two big spots that look like the finish there. We get the setup for the Tiger Bomb again, rolled through by Tajiri, but Noble is tripped by Nidia, which gives the leverage to Noble, and he falls onto Tajiri, 
and he gets the free count. Noble retains the title off that. Tajiri after the match then grabs Nidia and snogs her. Noble then says he's going to show him how it's done. And whilst he's snogging Nidia, Tajiri kicks him in the back of the head. You know what, fuck it, I'm giving that match four stars out of five. That was a, that was a very, very good match. You know, the action was, was very good. Great chemistry between the two of them. Mate, Jamie Noble is a geezer that doesn't get talked about enough in terms of great cruiserweights from that time. Now, you, you hear about Tajiri and you hear about people like Ray and Eddie and, and Chavo and, you know, all them, all them guys. But, but Noble was so good. He's just really good. He can work that, that kind of style with Tajiri, that kind of hard-hitting style. And, yeah, Tajiri, great as usual. Whenever Tajiri gets an opportunity to be in a prolonged match, yeah, you can expect some fireworks, and that that was another bagger. So four stars out of five from me. Well done. And considering the match wasn't announced beforehand, and, you know, they, they obviously had the story to work with, but not having it be announced previously, they smashed it out of the park. So, you know, like I said earlier, no, no reaction for Tajiri when he came out, but he was over during and after that match. So, again, good shit. Well played. Hopefully they push Tajiri now, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to a couple more bangers from from both men. I, I don't think this is over, you know, after the the afters. So hopefully we could get another match between these two at the next pay per view. So fingers fucking crossed. Good shit. We cut to Chris Benoit who's backstage looking for Eddie. He finds him. Says Chavo's getting his ass handed to him by Angle. Benoit then points Eddie to the room. Eddie hears Chavo screaming in the room, but Eddie thinks this is a joke and he he doesn't believe it's Chavo. I mean, it's obviously Charvo. Calls Angle Medal Boy. Good one. Says it's a little girl's voice and not Charvo's, you know. Oh, Eddie, you don't know your own nephew's bloody voice, you little rotter. Charvo then runs out holding his head. It's obviously Charvo and it, it's, it's confirmed as such. Angle and Benoit stand there. Eddie is then restrained by these cops who just appear out of nowhere whilst Benoit and Angle laugh at him. You know, just interesting little segment. Los Guerreros are in their gear, even though they're not wrestling tonight. You know, stay prepared, just think, I mean... Tajiri and Noble didn't know they were wrestling tonight, probably. They took their gear. They had a good match. Maybe these people on SmackDown, they they expect the unexpected and they turn up in their gear just in case. Coming up next, Triple H and Kane, winner take all, champion versus champion, murderer versus accuser. Who will come out as the champion of champions? For the first time in my life, I'm happy. an accident you killed her i didn't kill her you are 
went to a party and Katie had too much to drink, so I decided that I should drive her home. You were drinking too, Kane. It was dark, the road was slick, and an animal jumped right out in front of us. There were empty beer cans in the car. Katie was killed instantly. But it was an accident. You killed Katie Vick. I'm sorry. Kane might be able to take the life of a sweet girl like Katie Vick, but he will never be able to take my title. Triple H, is a, he's acting like a very desperate man. Does Triple H have a heart or a soul? You, you think I want to get in the ring with a murderer? Murderer? The Intercontinental Champion Kane is back, and he wants several Triple H. Oh. The big red machine imposing his will. Triple H! Yeah, big pop for Kane when he comes out. Weird, JR is calling him the last IC champ. And King calls him a big French fried freak. It's not very nice. Get a big cheer for Triple H, which is odd considering he's a scumbag. JR points out that Triple H has never beaten Kane in a title match, giving it a bit of weight that Triple H, he has to win, you know. Triple H looks scared and Kane looks focused. And from what I, from what I can see, obviously he's wearing a mask, but his eyes show focus. We get the big stare down to start off the match. Lockup forces Kane into the corner. Get a big right hand by Kane. Kane then eggs Triple H to come at him. Corner punches by Kane. Get a big uppercut which floors Triple H. An almost botched back body drop by Kane. Followed up by a big clothesline by Kane for a two count. JR calls it the the lateral press which is pretty common. But I used to think it was the ladder of press. When I was a kid growing up I used to hear ladder of press. It's just I think that's JR's. JR's southern accent, it's just hard to make out sometimes. But yeah, lateral press obviously makes a bit more sense, so apologies. King says Katie Vick doesn't get up in the morning and sees the sunrise. <sighs> it's fucking dark. Jesus Christ, that is bleak as fuck. I mean, it would be if she was a real person, but still. Get a neck breaker by Triple H. Kane sits up, good shit. Power slam by Kane for a two count. He's got a nice little power slam, Kane. Get lots of strikes by Kane. A face buster with the knee by Triple H. Close eye sends Kane to the outside. Kane goozles Triple H, but Triple H thumbs him in the eyes and knees Kane to the floor. You know, learning from the best in the dirtiest play in the game, Ric Flair, which was one of the taxes he pulled out earlier tonight against Rob Van Dam. Triple H sends Kane to the, into the corner, but Kane fires back with punches. You get another neck breaker by Triple H for a two count. A neck breaker again. It's neck break city, bitch. And another two count. It's been a slow match so far, but hopefully it picks up. We will see. We get an air blow by Kane. Triple H hits him with a spine buster for a two count. Get a slingshot into the second rope by Triple H. Kane fires back with some nice punches. Get a sleep hold by Triple H on the back of Kane. Kane fights out and hits a back suplex. Elbow drop gets missed, but hits the big boot. Sidewalk slam by Kane. Kane's really starting to take control of this match. Kane goes up top, hits the clothesline. Flair then runs in and grabs Kane and slingshots his head off the rope so the ref doesn't see it. Get a big boot by Kane. Flair runs into the ring and gets clouded. Triple H then hits Kane with a belt. Obviously, that, that that looks like the finish. You know, Triple H cheats his way to victory again. But Kane kicks out. Hurricane then runs out and fights off Flair. You get a pedigree on the outside to Hurricane. Immediately just jabronied, like, fucking sit down, little boy. Kane sits up again. Gets some big clotheslines. A power slam again by Kane for a two count. Kane catches Triple H off the middle rope. Sets him up for a suplex. 
Triple H then counters and throws him down. Goes for something off the top, just a bit of nothing. And Kane gets his foot up into the mush of Triple H. Kane sets up for the choke slam. Triple H counters it. Kane accidentally boots the ref in the mush. Kane then gets launched to the outside. Triple H gets goozled and chokeslammed for a table. It's a nice little spot. Flair starts chopping Kane to no effect as Kane knocks him to the ground. Flair runs into the ring with a sledgehammer after Kane sticks Triple H back in the ring. Big boots of Flair. Kane finds himself with the sledgehammer. Triple H is begging Kane off. Kane swings the hammer but Triple H kicks him in the nuts before he can hit him. Kane picks up Triple H but Triple H is still holding the sledgehammer and hits Kane in the stomach. Triple H then goes for another shot but Kane catches him and hits a choke slam. Covers him but the ref is still out. Another ref runs out, counts two, but gets dragged out of the ring and is assaulted by Flair. Could be fined for that, mate. Shouldn't be doing that to referees. Flair gets on the top rope, but is caught and chokes down. Rick, you tried it earlier, and it cost you the match. Why are you doing it again, you moron? Triple H spears Kane into the corner. Get the pedigree. Triple H grabs the ref, and we get a free count. Triple H is world heavyweight champion, and now the new intercontinental champion. All the belts. Um, yeah, pretty pretty good. I mean, it started off slow. Um, it, it picked up, well, you know, was once Flair running, the, the tempo started to pick up. We've got the Hurricane running. It was quite an overbooked kind of affair. You know, we've got the run-ins. We've got the sledgehammer. We've got the belt. We've got the ref being knocked out. We've got the second ref coming in. So there's a lot of shit going on. Trying to still protect Kane, not trying to make him look weak, you know, trying not to bury him. You know, we talk about this. This is this is the thick of the reign of terror, but I don't think Kane's been buried here. You know, he's it's taken a lot for him to be put down and to lose, but it it does kind of make him look like a bit of a dick. Where he's been accused of murdering a girl, Triple H has accused him of doing these horrible things, and then he just beats him. He takes his title and just makes Triple H look like a like a fucking hero. You beat the murderer. Well done. You're such a hero, Triple H. But yeah, good good match. Pretty good match. Three and a half stars, I'm giving that. Three and a half stars. Stephanie McMahon is backstage with everyone's favourite Jezebel, Tracy. Uh, she asks Tracy if she actually loves The Undertaker. Tracy says no, she can't stand the ground that bastard walks on. Steph then says she has to care. Tracy tells Steph she got a call out of the blue from Paul Heyman and said Paul knew. Turns out the recent sleeping with Taker was all a lie. And Paul put her up to it, that fucking little weasel. Tracy then tells Steph confidentially it was a lie. I mean, you say you've seen confidence, but there's a fucking camera pointing at you on pay-per-view. Literally look to your right and you'll see it. Tracy wants Mark back. Don't call him Mark, fuck's sake. Tracy wants The Undertaker back, but doesn't care about pregnant Sarah. She does She does love him, she does care, that's been found out. Turns out Taker's been standing there the whole time listening to all this. Brilliant. Calls Tracy a line bitch. Tracy's then kicked out of Steph's office, and I think this is probably the last time we'll ever see Tracy. So, you know, one of the greatest runs in the history of the business comes to a sad, sad end here in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I did a bit of research on Tracy. Her full name is Tracy Darley. She is a, she's an actor, you know. Um, she's, you'll probably know her from her most famous role, which is uh, Back to the Future Part 2, where she plays Jacuzzi Girl Number 2. So, yeah, I mean, the the fact that they got someone of, of that kind of stature in to play a, a side character in this angle is is, is amazing. And I, I couldn't imagine the fee that she would have incurred by, you know, accepting this role. But, yeah, the WWE got a coup by bringing her in for this. And sad to see her go. You know, one of the finest Jezebels in the history of the business. Um, leave the memories alone, Tracy. Leave the memories alone. And to transition from that, we get 
what is believed to be one of the greatest tag matches of all time, Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle in the Tag Team Tournament Finals. I am gassed. Starting tonight, a Tag Team Tournament. get a great hype-up package there running us through the tournament and Benoit and Angle's developing relationship throughout. Edge and his banging theme come out. Probably gets the biggest reaction out of the four in my opinion. Ray and Angle start shit off. Early arm drag from Angle. Get some amateur wrestling from Kurt. He's really good at that. I wonder why. Just he lifts up Ray and throws him into the corner like he's a he's like he's like a little boy. Tells Edge to tag in. Kurt has history with both these guys so you know he's he's very very accustomed to hating these two you know. Edge took Kurt's hair for fuck's sake. And it wasn't it wasn't, you know, the natural progression of baldness that took Kurt Angle's hair. It was Edge and his rotten clippers. And I will not hear otherwise. I watched that pay-per-view. I watched Judgment Day. That man had a full head of hair. That weren't going anywhere. Like Baron Corbin's. Ray refuses to tag in at Edge and he wants Kurt. Uh, Ray struggles to get out of a wrist lock, then stamps on Kurt's toes like Kamaru Usman, which breaks it. Uh, a fireman's carry throw by Ray. We get a low drop kick. Uh, corner reverse Harakarana by Ray. Very nice. Drop toe hold, then slaps Kurt on the head and he gets chased around the ring. Edge tags in, gets a big pop. You know, Edge is very over. He's very over at this point in time. You know, the big young baby face. I wouldn't be surprised if they were at this time looking at Edge as maybe the guy to the front Brock. Maybe, but... Um, Obviously down the line, so 
because he's very over. He's very popular. Big arm drags in a drop kick by Edge. Benoit then tags in. Takes a swipe at Ray. Chain wrestling from Edge and Benoit. Some really good chain wrestling going on here. Big knee to the tummy by Edge. Get a gut buster by Edge for a two count. Edge is targeting the abdomen. We get a backbreaker by Edge for a two count. Edge is now targeting the lower back as well. Just going for that, that tummy back area, you know. Flapjack by Edge. We get an Oklahoma roll for a two count. Shout out JR. Benoit Irish rips Edge into the angle and then gets kicked in the back. Benoit Irish rips Edge again, but this time Edge spears Angle off the apron. With regards to the spear, why does it make it less of a finisher if you're doing it through an apron? Because there's no restriction there. If you're doing it through the ropes, you're hitting the person. I mean, maybe momentum. The person's not, you know, you don't get the full build-up. But actually, no, fuck that. You come off the ropes, yeah. I don't know why it doesn't make it less of a finisher, especially if that's Edge's finisher. So, who knows? We get a German attempt, which is counted for a two-count. Angle gets back on the apron and grabs Edge. Pulls him into the ropes into a clothesline by Benoit. Get a neckbreaker by Benoit. Get a tag to Angle. Get a big knee by Kurt for a two-count. We get a sleeper hold to Edge. A big belly-to-belly by Angle. Tag to Benoit. Big chop in the corner, a heavy Irish whip into the corner. Get a nice German by Benoit, getting the fingers locked in. He gets the hat trick, gets the three straight Germans. Knocks Ray off the apron. Uh, he launches snot out of his nose at a prone edge. Delicious. Goes up top for a headbutt. Edge then gets up. Get a big superplex by Edge. Very nice. Hot tag to Ray. Get the head scissors. Corner drop kick by Ray to Benoit. Springboard leg drop to Benoit whilst he's draped. Face up over the second rope. Cover gets broken up by Angle. We get a cactus clothesline by Edge. Bulldog attempt by Ray to Benoit. Gets countered into the cross face. Broken up by Edge. Angle and Edge brawl on the outside. Benoit gets set up for the 619. Eventually gets countered by Benoit. Edge drop kicks Benoit from the top rope. Ray falls onto Benoit. That gets a two count. Ray goes up top. But Angle from out of nowhere scales the ropes and hits a top rope belly to belly. Mwah. Oh, beautiful. The, the way he gets up there, just so nimbly, like, nimbly, nimbly. The way he gets up there, so nimbly. Uh, that's the most you ever hear nimbly used at the same time in the, in the short space of time. Yeah, it's just amazing how bal- the balance and the, the technique is just, ah, oh, it's just a beautiful every time. I think Shelton Benjamin can do that as well, but probably not as good as Kurt. Get a clothesline by Edge off the apron. Ben then goes for the cover and gets a two count. Angle tagged in. Backbreaker to Ray for a two count. Get a suplex to Ray for a two count. And then a suplex by Ray. You know, very impressive for the little man to be lifting up people. Uh, much bigger than him. Get another big belly-to-belly by Angle for a two-count. Get a tag to Benoit. Ray's isolated in the corner. Get a big back body drop to Ray for a two-count. A back suplex for a two-count. Chops in the corner by Benoit. Ray counters into a Harukarana into the ring post. Get a hot tag to Edge. Kurt gets tagged in as well. Big back body drop to Kurt and a face buster to Benoit. Edge Omega for a two count. We get a corner spear to Benoit and a Bronco Buster by Ray. Now, Ray's Bronco Buster is, you know, it's something he, he doesn't do now, but it's something he did back then. Fair play. I don't know if he did it in WCW, but he uses it all the time, so I don't know why he doesn't do it anymore. It's not a dangerous, particularly dangerous move. I know X Pac fucking tore his ass in half doing it, but, you know, Ray's a, a lot more, we'll say a, a, lot, a lot more with it than X-Pac if that's fair to say Edge sticks Angle on the top and launches Ray over his head into a Harakarana very nice double team move there that should be in the fucking game why is it not Edge covers Benoit dives off the top rope of the headbutt Edge rolls out the way and Benoit hits Angle Benoit drop kicked out of the ring by Ray get a two count on Angle a German by Angle Angle sets up Edge Ray runs in and gets vaulted by Edge into Angle again another fucking nice double team move by these two you know that They've just been thrown together in this tournament, but kind of the shit that they've been pulling out is just, yeah. It's like they've been tagging for years, and it's very, very good shit. Edge sets up for the spear. Benoit pulls his leg and locks the cross face in. Edge gets to the rope. Very tense stuff here. 
Ray catches Belmont with a 619 somehow, even though the cross face is in. I don't even know how. Angle slam by angle to Ray. Ankle lock reverse into a small package. Get another two count. This match is fucking great. I heard all the hype about it, but just watching it was just, oh, it's absolutely fucking amazing. It's just a great, great match. Go out your way to, I don't even, I don't even finished the match yet, but go out your way to watch it. We get a spear by Edge. Benoit pulls Edge's leg at two. Ray baseball slides Benoit. We get another baseball slide. It's baseball slide mania here tonight. Edge sticks Ray in a powerbomb position and moonsaults off Edge to Benoit on the outside. What? Education attempted reversed into the ankle lock. Edge reverses into his own ankle lock. Kurt then reverses into his angle lock. And Edge taps. We got new champions. What a fucking match. Do I need to tell you the fucking the star rating? Do I need to tell you? Five. The answer is five. Five out of five stars. Take it all. Take it all. Jesus Christ. Oh, God. What a match. Just start to finish. High octane, great spots, drama, oh, counters, and oh, the the you know the the four different kind of styles. You've got angle, you know, he's technically sound. He's he's suplex, uh, you know, heavy impact. Benoit, a bit you know, a bit more technical than than angle. Edge, who's who kind of is most similar to the WWE style, but still can pull out some good moves. Uh, and Ray, just a high flyer. They all just mesh so well together. Five out of five. Go out your way to watch it. Bobby Dazzler, different gravy. The best match on the podcast so far. No other contenders. Unbelievable. There you go. There's a clap for you. Little clap for you. Oh, we get advised that Kurt Angle has now won every belt. It only took him three years. In fucking incredible. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, I can't get over that. That just, oh. Jesus. Just what a match. Taker's backstage with the doctor for his weekly cast management appointment. Uh, Doc is holding a needle. Taker wants it stuck in his hand. And Doc sticks it right in there. We're now going from that match to Trish versus Victoria for the women's championship. Um Trish and Victoria on paper, it's you know, it's not it's not a bad I mean Victoria's new. And Trish is still a bit green, but this Trish and Victoria, they're very capable. And if you were to tell me that this match would be worse than Dawn Marie versus Tori Wilson, I would have thought you was crazy. But we'll get into it. King calls her puppy's pedigree style. That's Trish. Victoria storms to the ring, get a lock-up slap to Victoria, a headlock takeover to Trish for a two-count. A shoulder tackle to Trish. We get the obligatory We Want Puppies chant, which is customary for all women's matches at this time. A clothesline by Trish for a two count. We get a bicycle knee strike by Trish to Black for a two count. Clothesline on the outside by Trish. Victoria launches Trish into the ring post. We get a fireman's carry drop on the barricade by Victoria. Uh, we get a night at this. She does this move all the time. It's a very nice slingshot flip leg drop by Victoria. Very, very nice. And that gets a two count. We get shoulder blocks in the corner. We get a dodgy looking monkey flip out the corner to Trish. Yeah bit dodgy that victoria then tries it again but it's reversed into a frankensteiner by trish for a two count we get a backbreaker by victoria which gets reversed into a roll-up for a two count get slapped by vic crowd's a bit knackered after that great tag match and i'm i mean in fairness the crowd's been a bit dead all night i'm not gonna lie i mean they were hot for the um the tag match obviously and they did they did pick up a bit in the tajiri noble match but other than that they've been a bit i mean they've been into it but they've not been ravenous or anything like that you know but it's, it's arkansas you know would what do you expect from Arkansas? We get a sidewalk slam by Victoria. 
Goes for a moonsault, reverse into electric chair by Trish for a true count. For a two count, for a two count, we get the chick kick, which gets kicked out. Neck breaker by Trish. Uh, the satisfaction gets countered awkwardly, but Trish rolls up Victoria for a free count. Yeah, one star. To be honest, one star. It it was, yeah, it was un it was underwhelming for two women of their caliber. You know, I expected a lot better because Trish has been pulling out some decent matches on pay per view. The ones she's had with um with Molly Holly. Molly Holly's probably been the best women's wrestler so far since I've been watching her and Jazz. But Jazz got hurt early, so but yeah. Some of the matches with Molly, 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 <laughs> Molly, Holly were were pretty good. But yeah, this was underwhelming. I mean, obviously, Victoria's still green. Trish is green. Hopefully, because after the match, as a big boot by Victoria after the bell, Victoria gets restrained by the ref, still going at Trish. During the match, she's pretty chill. You know, she's doing her moves, but then all of a sudden, she's crazy again after the after the after the bell. But yeah, they say I don't think this is the end of this feud. We're gonna get some more Trish and Victoria matches. So I assume. So hopefully, they get better, because that was not that good. We get a recap from Armageddon 2000 where Rikishi was thrown off the cell into. I think was Hey Rikishi's at the World, which is what uh, WWF New York. Got renamed to after the, the change of, of the guard to the WWE. Rikishi says, Hell in a Cell could have ended his career. Uh, if it weren't for that, hey, mate. So you better be fucking grateful to the to Mr. McMahon for putting it there for you to break your fall conveniently. Uh, he puts over the Hell in a Cell and he picks Taker to win. Main event, WWE Undisputed Championship on the line in a Hell in a Cell match. Brock Lesnar's first stipulation match as champion. And Undertaker, obviously the king of the Hell in a Cell. He's had the most matches in Hell in a Cell, this is his playground. And he is facing a rookie who's never been in a stipulation match as champion before. So, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Hell in a Cell, WWE Championship. Tracy, I 
I haven't seen this woman in about seven years. No more forgiveness. Years before I ever met my wife, Sarah. No running now. I don't know what she wants. You've made it my business. All I know is the last week of my life has been a living hell due to Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Let me guarantee you something. The hell that I've been through is nothing. Is nothing compared to the hell that I'm going to put you two through. I won't hold back. There's the uh, hypot package for you there. I liked how Colwyn, the little package there, calls the propane tank a propane pank in the package. So, mate, you're not fucking... We would not believe how many times it took me to fucking say that. Brock comes out first, which is rare for a champion on pay-per-view. Uh, this match does have a big fight feel. I will give him that. Good pop for the trouser snaker. Cell gets locked. Taker goes straight for Brock, and Brock runs out of the way. Get a takedown by Brock. Strikes by Taker. Get a nice power slam by Brock for a two count. Corner shoulder blocks by Brock. Shoulder blocks? Anyone? Get a body shot by Taker with the cast. Brock rolls out the ring for a breather. Tries to unlock the door, but he can't. Brock works the hand. We get a shot with the cast by Taker. You can hear Heyman screaming in the background. Get another cast shot. Lesnar's busted open early. We get Paul Heyman screaming like he just watched his parents get murdered in a fire. Brock Lesnar, he's screaming his lungs off. Oh, look at this. Brock Lesnar has been busted open again at the hands of the cast. Something Taker's used to. We get an elbow against the cage and Brock is thrown into the steps. Lesnar then launched into the steel of the cage. Hit with a cast on the outside for a two count. Lesnar's face gets grated against the cage. Lesnar's launched again like a lawn dart. Cole compares the cell to a cheese grater. You're making me hungry now, Michael. Don't do that. We get another car shot. Leg drop on the apron. We get a top rope knee from Taker, which looked quite awkward, but gets a two count. Brock gets launched into the cell again. Heyman screams at Brock to get away from him. Heyman puts his arm up to try and get to Taker. Taker boots Heyman through the cell, knocking Heyman to the floor. Brock gets thrown into the steps. Heyman is now busted open. Taker pulls Heyman into the cage by his tie. Uh, Lesnar goes for Taker, but, but Taker moves, hitting and knocking Heyman to the floor. Taker then runs at Lesnar, but Brock lifts him and throws him into the cell. You know, Taker's been dominating the early stages of this match, but now he has a chance to get the upper hand. Uh, runs him into the post in the cell. Lesnar gives Heyman his belt from his trousers. Ties Taker to the cell by his cast while Heyman holds the belt. Lesnar hits Taker with a chair to the back and then his hand repeatedly. Lesnar then tries to rip the cast off but Taker fires back before he can do so. Lesnar again goes for the hand and again goes for the cast but Taker fights back. This cast-based action. You know, this is, what I, this is what I want to see in my main events. Cast-based action. Now, this is why the current product is missing that bit of oomph. 
not enough people are wearing cars to attack. If you had, you know what, I can't even say any fucking names because they're probably going to get released, but if, we'll play it safe, if you had Roman Reigns, because he's not going to get released, Roman Reigns rocking that cast in a match against someone who's not been released yet, Randy Orton, I don't know, whoever's not been going to get released, whoever's bulletproof, and Randy's attacking the cast, that's when the boom period starts again. Get more wrestlers wearing casts. That's my pitch. Eventually, after trying and trying and trying, Lesnar rips the cast off successfully. Starts working the exposed hand of The Undertaker. Don't know why I did that in JL's voice. This is called by uh, Taz and Cole. Lesnar then sits Taker on the top rope. Swings off the cell, kicking Taker while stood on the top rope. Get a low blow by Taker. Throws Lesnar to the floor. Taker then uses the ledge of the cell as leverage to walk along the top rope and hits an elbow drop. That gets a two count. That was a nice little move to be filled. Lesnar hangman's Taker on the rope. Taker boots Brock off the apron into the cell. Heyman then tells Brock, We're losing! We get a suicide dive by Taker. Unbelievable. A suicide dive into the cell. Fucking hell. Who are you? Seth Rollins? Unbelievable. Taker then grabs the still steps. Gets launched into the cell and clothesline by Taker. Brock hits Taker in the head with the steps. Taker's face is just completely red now. It's just highlighted red. Brock clocks him again with the steps. Greats Taker's face into the cell while Heyman laughs maniacally. Evil bastard. You've corrupted Tracy. Now you're corrupting this match. Lesnar then showboats a bit, flexing his guns and all that, you know. We get a big spine buster by Lesnar for a two count. Taker tells Lesnar to bring it with jelly legs. Get right hands by Taker with the broken hand. And a clothesline. Taker then stomps on Brock's hand. He's now going for the hands. This is hand warfare, baby. Lesnar counters and arm drags Taker. F5 attempts counting into a choke slam. That gets a two count. Corner splash by Taker. Lesnar attempts a last ride, but Taker counters. Then we get a DDT by Taker. That swinging one that he does. Very nice. That gets a two count. A last ride attempt counters. Shoulders into the corner. Corner punches. Lesnar gets caught. Last ride. Hasn't got enough to cover straight away. Lesnar grabs the ropes at two. Thought this match was DQ. Why is that breaking? Never mind. Never mind. Uh, Taker gives a throat slash. Tombstone attempt. Lesnar counters. Turns it into an F5. Very, very nice. Just shows the raw power of Lesnar. And that gets a free count. Lesnar retains in hell in a cell. I'm going to give that three and a half stars. Main event wise. I wouldn't say it's lackluster. But I wouldn't say it was. I wouldn't say it was great. But it it was quite slow. I mean, in comparison to the Taker and K-match, which did start slow, admittedly, uh, that did pick up once the interference. Obviously, there wasn't really much wiggle room for interference. Do you know what? I thought Big Show was going to come in because he was giving it in the back earlier. And I know he ends up on SmackDown. And I know he ends up in that title picture. But yeah, luckily he wasn't involved. But yeah, it, it just was a bit slow. I mean, in in the cell, when you're two big guys in the cell, it's it's difficult to keep the tempo going when there's all sorts of shit going on but it was okay for a main event it was okay it was not it wasn't a dud but it wasn't a, a classic main event hell in a cell match probably it, it wasn't as good as the jericho triple h hell in a cell match and that one was a bit better this one was more like a modern hell in a cell match because they didn't leave the cell at all uh, all the shit that was going on obviously had Heyman on the outside though getting involved a bit but he can only do so much yeah it was it was okay um lesnar then scales the top of the cell like king kong and holds his title aloft whilst Taker looks at him from the floor. So that was No Mercy. A good show. Not really a special show by any means. There wasn't anything that's going to stand out. Obviously apart from the tag team titles match. Which is head and shoulders above everything else in this show in my opinion. The matches were all 
okay. Like there was there was no there's no stinkers on the show. I mean, Trish and Victoria was probably the closest thing to a stinker, but it wasn't horrible. Like, it wasn't a disaster. The only fucking thing about the show that was an absolute disaster was that Al Wilson Funaki segment. Yeah, fuck that. Um, yeah, best match on the show. You know, go out your way to see Angle, Benoit, Ray, and Edge. Just uh, an all-time great, great match, which I don't think gets talked about enough because I've never seen that match. And you know, usually on the on the shows like on YouTube, they'll give the top tens and the great matches will get mentioned. And it that didn't get mentioned. It, didn't, it never, from my see gets mentioned. It's just maybe obviously. Because of Benoit, probably. I say probably, definitely. But yeah, unbelievable match. Go out your way to watch that. Worst match on the show, I'm going to give to Trish and Victoria. Slightly worse than Dawn Marie versus Tori. Yeah, just it, it didn't really click the Trish Victoria match. It's, it's not over between them two, so hopefully they can give us a better match at a, a later show or a pay per view. So. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, Tajiri and Noble was probably the second best match on the show, I would say. That was, yeah, just an an out-of-nowhere barn burner, I thought, just... And Tajiri just really impressed me. Yeah, Kane and Triple H was good. Flair and RVD was good. Uh, Undertaker and Brock was okay for a Hell in a Cell match. Und- it underwhelmed as a Hell in a Cell match, but in terms of just the main event, it was an okay main event, I guess. The crowd... The crowd had kind of died by that point. It wasn't really much of a reaction for things. But yeah, it was It was what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was to say who was the MVP or the standout performer on the show, I would probably say, I mean, I would, yeah, the, I would probably give it to all four competitors in that tag team match. Because without them four, that match is not what it is. Just brilliant. All of them showed up. All of them gave their A game. And and it, if I was to pick an individual from that match, it'd probably be Angle because he he held he held shit together. He was the one doing the big spots with the big belly to belly and the the closing spot where he gets the the victory by the submission. Um, but yeah, all of them. Not to discredit anyone else in that match because they all just put on a great great performance. Um, yeah, special mention to Tajiri as well coming into that match against Noble with. Obviously, no announcement that the match was taking place and no reaction when he came out. It was silence when he came out. And he got that crowd on his side at the end of the match because, you know, just the stuff that he does. Just If you let if you just let Tajiri wrestle, he will get the crowd on his side and he's done it time and time again. And I presume, he will be, I presume he's going to be doing that in the future as well because they're, they're probably not going to push him. But he deserves a push and he'll just go out there and just show out and he'll just... You give him a bit of time, you give him 10 minutes like they did, he'll give you a great match with, with anyone, really. Um, but yeah, really, really impressive. If I was to give a MUP, which is a most unvaluable player, uh, or the worst, Mr. Mister or Mrs. Uh, irrelevant, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, Al Wilson, brackets, get off my screen, you have no charisma. And don't be bringing up Bill Clinton references during the fucking pay-per-view in 2002, you wet bag of sand. So it, it seems a bit like a foregone conclusion in terms of who had the better matches on this show. Um, I gave Raw an average rating of 2.5 stars, and SmackDown got an average rating of 3.5 stars. So SmackDown, 1-0 up. Congrats, congratulations to the blue team, now leading. They've fired the first shot in brand warfare in terms of the Ruthless Journey's ratings of matches. So, fair fucks, 1-0. Obviously, they had 
by far the, the better overall matches. You know, it's hard to compare Tajiri and Noble to RVD and Flair and the tag team match between Edge, Mysterio, Benoit and Angle to the one between Booker, Goldust, Jericho and Christian. It just blew, both of their matches blew the other one out of the war. Obviously the women's match as well. Um, yeah, just, just great shit from SmackDown. So um, the quality of the matches on SmackDown are just so much better anyway, I think. so. But yeah, we'll see what happens at the next pay-per-view. We'll see what happens on the next show, Monday Night Raw, the night after this. And you best fucking believe I'll be on that shit. Just give me some time, I'll be on that shit. Thank you for listening once again to The Ruthless Journey. The first pay-per-view is in the books. Um, no Mercy 2002, done, dusted, Sinora. If you do want to get in contact, you can send me a message on Instagram. The Instagram is the underscore ruthless underscore journey, all one word. If you want to leave a rating or review on iTunes, obviously you can do so. Uh, let, let us know how you got on with the podcast. Are you enjoying the podcast? That's what I want to know. Am I wasting my time? No one's listening at the minute, so no one give, you know what I mean? I'm not talking to anyone, but still. Are you enjoying yourself if you can hear me? Let me know. Um, yeah, Patreon. We haven't got anyone yet, but that's cool. Patreon is the Ruthless Journey, all one word, capital T, capital R, capital J. Um, yeah, once again, thank you for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Monday Night Raw. Thank you very much. See you later.